Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. and there will be no encore welcome to episode 314 of the no encore music podcast i'm joined via satellite by craig fitzpatrick yeah video phone um, never reliable those video phones but in these times you know i make you how are you i'm okay yeah i mean thanks to people who got in touch after last week's episode in which i couldn't hold back the bad mental state i was in uh, i wouldn't say i'm in an amazingly better incredible wonderful utopian unicorn fill land place or anything but i'm happy that's to report that i that's next week yeah i'm happy to report that i'm in a slightly better uh, position so maybe that's the xanax kicking in who knows um the world isn't in a great place though of course and uh no. you know music podcast but real quick love to people in ukraine bad yes. stuff happening over there and that's fucking terrible and very very scary so uh all love to anyone in any part of the world who's in any kind of conflict because it's awful it's surreal isn't it i was yeah, on the terrible. i was getting to train into work this morning I was, I was telling you earlier it was uh, it started snowing as news from the fucking kremlin rolled in i was like well this is dystopian yeah. when i saw i was very surprised by how quickly things escalated and i was just scrolling through the timeline i saw the latest actions and i <laughs> Let out a comment, which I think summed up my insight on it. I just went, what a knobhead about Putin. And that was like the extent of my reaction. Did, did you say you're on a train or you're on a bus? I was on a train. And did everyone in the carriage just cheer? A cheer went up. Yeah, they it? did. One, yeah, one of those yeah. And El Granny stood up and just went, yeah, which one? Knobhead. Which one for out? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, you should have tweeted it. You could have went viral. Like I did this week. I went viral this oh, week. Oh, did was, you? Yeah. What you, what? you didn't even notice. This is upsetting. <laughs> I haven't been on Twitter, man. No. What's the tweet? Good strategy. Good. Um, 
It was pretty funny, I thought. Um, the guards were doing a, like, day in the life thing on their Twitter account. And it was oh, like, okay. you know, we'll take you around various things that we do. And there was one thing of a man standing in an office. And it was like, Detective Ron Lawler examines a crime gun, blah, 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 blah. So oh, I just, like, crime gun. Quoted it and block capitalized with crime gun. It did very well. But, uh, you know, what goes up must come down. So, you know, that's just the way. Well, that, enjoy crime gun while it lasts. Um, yeah. Message to all of you. Yeah, message to, to the world. I mean, to give you an example of the day I've had today, right? Like in terms of work, like the stories I've written, like what an eclectic bunch this is. I'm going to give you a sample of, of what I wrote today in work, right? So I go in, spring in my step, thank God. Like imagine being hungover on a day like today when you got to write yeah. news. So literally, like here's here's what I hear the headlines of, of the stories I wrote. You ready? Uh, UN chief warns of, quote, worst war since the beginning of the century. That was the first one. I followed that oh, one up. since the beginning of this century. Not the 20th century. That's grand. He said the century, but there's a lot more wars than you might think. I thought he might yeah. have been referring to 1900 as well, but then like it, I was I was swiftly educated that, in fact, there have been a lot of ongoing wars in the last 20 years that have yeah, been very good. Some of us haven't moved on from 1999. But. That's fair. Um, then I followed this up, Craig, with fallen trees possible as status yellow warnings issued for five counties. <laughs> then my Same next story. new post-rock outfit. <laughs> yeah. Fallen trees possible. Status yellow warning. Um, then I was, here's the line for this week's episode of Late Late Show. So, you know, nothing if not eclectic. Um, then I moved on to, Varadkar pledges to, quote, hit Russia and Putin where it hurts as Ireland readies sanctions. The last story I wrote today, Craig, just to, to, to round it off, was the two Johnnies issue public apology over, oh, yeah, quote, they're being offensive over social media posts. Cancelled three days into their new job at 2FM. That's impressive. How long do you think, do you think we'd last a bit longer if we, if we ended up in that drive time slot, that coveted drive time slot that they have? I think we might. Um, I'd like to think I don't know. So. We don't have any skeletons in the closet, we do we? In the social do. media closet? We, I'm probably. sure we probably... There's something you, I'm sure there's something we you We do delete out. and cleanse relentlessly the timeline, don't we? Yeah, we're, we do. We're busy we do. beavers. We sure are. No, and on this, episode, on this episode, on this episode Encore... <laughs> we're good lads. We're good. <laughs> what a defensible word. That sounded convincing, didn't it? I'm a nice guy, says Craig Fitzpatrick. Um, so on this episode, nice guy Adam Shanahan unfortunately isn't here this week. He's on a well-earned holiday. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how it was for him on the slopes getting the news as he's over in some part of Europe like being like what's happening (laughs) so shouldn't laugh ain't funny um Adam's a lovely boy though he'll be home safe and sound soon we hope uh but thank you though to Sonic Architect David Tapley of Tandem Felix stepping in this week he's not on the call you'd miss his presence but he'll make it sound good and I'm sure he'll make sure that we don't get cancelled so that's good too um yeah so this week on the show we're not doing an album review because there just wasn't much happening and I, and I think you texted me and we're like beach house and I was like I, I, nah, I can't do it man era 25 minutes after the big thief episode I mean it just seems like too much of a thing too much of a I felt plan. like it was shorter not now no. I listened to it and it felt shorter but it was very much a new beach house album so that would yeah. have been the extent of the review. Check it sure. out if you like Beach House, I guess. That's fair. You kind of know what you're getting. But do you know yeah. what you're getting with the power ballad? The glory that is the power ballad? Because um, that's our top five this week. We're doing top five yeah. power ballads. Which and the answer I, is no. I, I didn't know what we were getting into when I agreed to do power ballads. Yeah. But I suggested power ballads. I think you led me... I led you down the, the primrose path on this one because yeah. you came up with a bunch of good ideas and then I thought, wait a minute. And I, I messaged you and I jokingly said, hey, your favourite song of all time, November Rain by Guns N' Roses, just turned 30 years of age. Is there anything that we could do off the back of that one? 
And you were like, oh, I'd almost suggest top five metal ballads, but I don't think I can make it to five. And I was like, oh, we probably could, though. And I was kind of like, can we, can we, can we? And you're like, oh, look, can we make this work? Can we make this happen? You're like, if you change (laughs) the power ballad. What do I have to do to make this happen? (laughs) What do I have to do to put you and a power ballad together today? You're like, if you change the power ballads, I could maybe go for that. So I was like, great. And then at one stage, I think shortly afterwards, you went, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, this is feeling like one of those fun ones. And I was like, don't jinx it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> felt a sense of dread. My second mistake was um, not agreeing that it should be best and worst. So yeah, people, this is top five like championing power ballads. There's I did no suggest best list. and worst, by the way. I did say it to you. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I definitely by I'd say Tuesday evening, I was I was going. Will I just scrap this list and revert to worst? But that would be a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I I struggled this week. I um, I don't like this genre, Dave. I don't. I don't think this is a good genre. Okay. Well, we'll listen, you, it, you, but... you can pivot in real. I, I know the clips are prepared, but like. You can pivot in real time. I've often come in, you know, on the side of the angels and found myself very much in a devilish mood by the end of it. So, you know, let's just see where we go with it. I mean, I struggle okay. with for a much different reason, but we'll get into that later on in the show. That's because it's your five. favorite genre of all time. It is, of course. Yeah, famously. By the it's way, like, should we just point out how we're defining power ballads? But, so see, that's initially, the thing. Yeah, that's my yeah. kind of hiccup. But if you want to do it now at the top of the show, go for it. Well, obviously, it stemmed from the November rain thing. So using that, I guess, as a template... And initially, yeah, hard rock slash metal ballads, blokes and bands that usually kind of are the bad boys um, showing off their sensitive side and usually maybe selling out or <laughs> hitting the mainstream um, with a bit of piano and a love song. But then also there's a whole aesthetic to it, right? So when kind of rock or hard rock ruled the roost in like the the early 80s, pop music transitioned to the power ballad as well. So there's a few different kind of there's there's a whole list of ingredients I guess for a power ballad we can get to it in the top five but that was there's a few different avenues you could go to I'm guessing you're going to be on the more extreme edge of the spectrum I don't know well this is not to yeah I mean like like this is the thing so two things right first of all I I wanted to commit to that and I in the end I actually found that I couldn't I I had to kind of go across a range of genres and eras to a degree um and then I kind of ran into the whole, like, well, what is a power ballad? And, and does this qualify as one? And I'll give you an example of one that is not in my top five. I would consider this song a power ballad, but I guess no one else does. End of the Road by Boys to Men. How is that not a power ballad? Oh, you're going there, are you? But how is that okay. not a power ballad? But it's not listed as a power ballad. Is, is this like a, like a, I don't know, like an R&B pop, like, you know, triumph or something. But It is to me, a power ballad, I guess. Yeah, I, I had this, I, I was grappling with this with um something like um Kiss from a Rose. I think that's a power ballad. That is definitely but a power I, ballad. It, yeah, it didn't go in though because uh, we'll get to it. There's certain factors. Yeah. Well, actually, one of the factors was that there has to be a certain level of incongruity. Like, so, so it has to be like, and I mangled that word, but as I couldn't say, can I have that word again? Because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it should be incongruous. Incongruous. How? Why am I not saying that word correctly at the moment? Incongruity is that not a word? If it isn't, I I, I demand that it be made one immediately. <laughs> Basically, the act doing the power ballad should be. Stepping outside their comfort zone a little. Okay, the material okay. should be slightly different from the rest of their stuff. Now, that doesn't hold true for all of my picks, I don't think. So maybe we'll just move on. <laughs> so it should, be, it should be sonically anachronistic to a degree is the, is the, the level that you're kind yes, of getting at. Yes, okay, thank cool. you. You're welcome. And uh, we'll say 
not you're welcome, but we'll say thank you to everyone who supports this show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash noencore if you want to get involved to throw us the price of points. There's loads of bonus episodes up there right now. No Ox Cord is our usual monthly kind of recommends corner where Craig and I reconvene with Adam usually on a Sunday afternoon and we talk about songs and albums and stuff that we've been listening to at the time. We make a playlist and we include that in the episode as well. We haven't done the episode for a while due to end of year, moving house, personal events, etc. However, mm. we are looking to record a new one in the next week or so, hopefully. Um, but will, also, yeah. the Patreon exists mainly just because if you like the show, if you love the show and you want to go the extra mile and just throw us a bit of cash, keep the lights on, pay bills, etc., that's up to you. The only thing that we ask of you anyway, in general, is not to pay us money, but just tell your friends about the show. But if you want to pay us, that's fine. You can do so at patreon.com slash no encore. Slash no encore. I did also see the Ukrainian army is on Patreon at the moment. They're crowdfunding. Um, Are you really doing the war this? efforts? It was it's just, it, that was very oh, dystopian to me. Oh, sorry, That's sorry, an actual sorry, thing. I thought you were making a joke. Is that real? Oh no, it's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh you God. can go on Patreon. Actually, I don't have the link, but people will find it, I guess. If you want to make that decision between No Encore and Ukraine. Um, yeah, to be fair, there are much more worthy causes than us out there at the moment. And if you, if it is, if it does come down to that, obviously fucking pick the people who need it, who aren't us. It did, so. it did just strike me though that like, are Patreon going to like take their cut of that fund? Like, You'd like to Patreon think they do a Bandcamp Friday on from that one the war? Though, wouldn't like, you? Yeah, yeah, and just try and like wave yeah. it for once. But look, listen, let's, let's hope it comes down to admin fees and bad branding as opposed to anything more severe. But unfortunately, it here, doesn't look here. good, does it? We'll move on though uh, to the new section. Hit the sting, please. David Tapley. <laughs> Hey, you heard about the good news? And unfortunately, uh, the bad news doesn't stop here because I don't think we could open the news section in any other way. There was a tragic passing this week, one that has rocked an awful lot of people in the world of music. Mark Lanigan, lead singer and co-founder of Screaming Trees and well known for his kind of stints in Queens of the Stone Age, passed away at the age of 57 uh, in Killarney. This broke, I think, on Tuesday evening, possibly, and I just saw Twitter light up with it. An awful lot of people very upset. Craig Fitzpatrick, I believe you were one of the many people who were, in fact, and are, in fact, quite moved by this uh, very, very tragic situation. He was a huge presence in rock over the last few decades and uh, a huge voice as well, just so distinctive, um, really compelling character. I primarily kind of knew him through the Queen's Association, just some of my favourite moments in their catalogue. Um, were him on vocals contributing um, just an amazing kind of guy In the Fade was the one I picked out but there's so many just um, Rated Or being my kind of first exposure to Queens of Stone Age and he was kind of had some of the big big moments on that and then Songs for the Deaf um, I wasn't actually I, I didn't know the back catalogue um, too much I remember getting into Bubblegum which was like I think the 2004 album probably just because I saw a glowing review in Q or something like that and I know that isn't really like one of the the kind of classics but there was some great stuff on that um but yeah just he'd been living in Killarney um which I remember hearing he'd also been hospitalized with COVID it seemed like he'd gotten over the worst of it we don't actually know what happened in the end and it's no need for speculation it's just really devastating and just no age so yeah that was a shock during the week for sure yeah no and tributes of course pouring in from all corners of the world whether it is huge music names or whether it's even just fellow music journalists that we would know quite well um it's it sucks i mean like like it's i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh man i was the greatest fan of this guy because you know i i'm like you i I think queens was definitely my first kind of touch point for this guy it would have been like the first time i ever heard of him but the presence he would have even on those records and on those songs was absolutely immense like it was just this 
very different like what I was thinking about him this week and listening back to some of his, his music I, I like he just always struck me as like someone who walked out of the pages of a weathered American paperback like this kind of like towering kind of figure that you might find in a corner of McCarthy novel McCarthy or something novel. there was yeah, just something sure. like you could taste the dust wherever he walked or something it's like an there American just, archetype yeah completely um, yeah and I think you know he but yeah again Irish associations like he'd pop up like here and there whether he was playing shows or living here and there seemed to be some kind of weird communal sense that he was one of us quote unquote and yeah it's been just a very very sad thing to kind of see the fallout from uh, and, and yeah I think and you know his associations with the grunge movement and like the kind of Pacific Northwest like he was one of those iconic figures um from that group of guys who are like few in number at this point as well that's just another one kind of gone so um yeah closing of an era as well in a few different respects yeah so from kind of a like a fallen cult favorite to um one of the biggest names in music uh, and a different era for her britney spears back in the news this week uh, she has signed a book deal post conservatorship did i say it right that's always been a tough one incongruity Incongruous. <laughs> no i don't think it's that um britney spears of course these days is finally once again independent it would seem yeah uh, still being disputed by members of her own family. Uh, one of those kind of rather torrid stories that's going to run and run, I think, unfortunately, in, like, in terms of the gossipy elements of it. But if it's gossip you're after, straight from the source, good news. $15 million is the price. Simon & Schuster are the publishing house and Britney Spears will write a tell-all autobiography. Um, and I don't know how to feel about this. What do you think? Is this what we want? I mean, like, it could be a brilliant piece of work, or unfortunately it could lean into those more tawdry aspects of things. I mean, yeah, it will lean into those tawdry aspects of things, but it's it'll be going there because she decides to talk about it. Sure, and I guess yeah. as, you know, the victim and all of it, that's, that's absolutely fine. So that kind of dispels concerns around that. That said, um, I'm not sure how eager I will be to read it just because I imagine it's going to be quite heavy. I imagine it will be quite compelling. Um, I just don't know how much I need this kind of real life horror story. Um, there's so much horror around. Yeah, 15 million for the deal. One of the biggest um, book deals of all time. Behind the Obamas, uh, quite a bit behind, by the way. They got 60 million for a deal with Penguin Random House in 2017. That just Crazy, seems, like, unnecessary. $60 million. White House bounce. Books. Are books really that big a deal anymore? Are they like, that interesting? I mean, they're all kind you of hear, interesting, but they're not all you hear about All you hear about books is that, like, there's no money in books anymore. Unless I suppose All you hear about books All you hear about days. books, mate. <laughs> That's the talk of the town, uh, is that there's no money in it. Unless, of course, you're like, you know, I don't know, you write, like, Fifty Shades of Grey or something, perhaps. But, yeah, no, you make a good point um, in terms of, like, because, like, I think something that was crucially missing from, say, Framing Britney Spears, that documentary that everyone thought was great, but I thought was quite lightweight. And then some of the other ones that I didn't watch that apparently were much more lightweight and yeah. and, and, and kind of, you know, uh, shameless in lots of respects. Her participation, because obviously no access to her, I guess she probably would have turned in interview requests and so on. So, yeah, if the subject at the heart of it has a platform to tell it in this way, well, then great, cool, more power to her. And if she's hard up for cash, I don't know if she is, but considering the way her finances have been kind of fucked around with for years, it's a payday and she's more than earned it. Yeah, um, that's and also if it's making time, her father squirm a bit, yeah, that, that's, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, right? yeah, fuck that guy. But like, same time though, I don't know. I mean, like even when there is a, a, like a, there's certainly a hook here, you know, from a marketing point of view, if you want to just be honest about it. 
at the same time, man, I, I, I've uh, few things interest me like less than the autobiography. Uh, I don't care about the childhood of anyone. I don't care about the fucking upbringing of like you know, even like oh Trent Reznor. Like, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to me. And more than that, though, something that is now this becoming this like infectious thing in Hollywood, like. Every other week, it's like, Chris Evans has signed up to play Fred Astaire. And it's like, I don't fucking care. Like, why are we so obsessed with biopics? Or biopics, whatever the fucking pronunciation is. Like, I can never Is that quite Fred remember. Astaire thing actually happening? I think it's him or it's Tom Holland. Or one of them is playing someone. Sorry. Someone's, yeah, like, like, like this man is... Could this dance. is this, man could uh, dance. Uh, listen, I, I love a song and dance man just as much as the next guy. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> Have you seen Channing Tatum and Hail Caesar? It's a very, very fun film. I have, actually, yeah. I enjoy yeah. that film. Um, anyway, look, listen. Best luck to Britney Spears. Uh, she very much deserves to have a run of good fortune for quite some time. Um, speaking of fortunes, though, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of stories here for you about vinyl. Every now and then we'll dip into the vinyl world and how it can be a very expensive game. Um, this one, so I've got a tale of two vinyls. Uh, the first story concerns I band enjoyed that, this, yeah. <laughs> band that I quite like called Tool. Um, who, of course, put out a new record in 2019 called Fear Inoculum, which, if I recall correctly, I wasn't on the episode. I think I was in Canada. But I like that album. It's definitely nowhere near as you know brilliant or as magnificent as some of the Tool albums that have existed previously. But I still think it's pretty good. Um, so apparently, It's very respectable. Yeah, I enjoyed the listen-through of it. I mean, I don't know if it was worth the wait. I guess it was for fans. But yeah, as someone that dipped in and out of Tool, mm. it's a fine record. Yeah. Yeah, very much the Chinese democracy of the Tool era. I think you could probably... Uh, <laughs> just thinking about the length of time it took harsh. to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, tie it back into my November Rain uh, inspiration. You'd swear I was a big Axl Rose guy. I'm not, just to clarify. Thank but you for clarifying. You're very welcome. That's the so, thing that will get us cancelled, yeah. Um, Tool recently like when that album came back or when it's coming out they rejoined streaming services having not really been on them um mm-hmm. so like you know for a time their music was kind of gold dust in a way unless you had compact discs of course but um it was announced last week via their instagram page that they are going to sell an ultra deluxe vinyl version of fear inoculum at their live shows only available to fans who bought the quote-unquote Tool Army VIP tickets. Like, who are these lads? Kiss? Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a cross between Kiss and, like, Newcastle fans to Tool Army. <laughs> Bunch so, of Geordies, topless Geordies, like, listening to Tool. This is, like, on their upcoming tour, because I forgot about this, because they're playing... They announced an Irish date, um, and I remember I wrote a quick story on that for Joe when it came out, and, like, I'm pretty sure the ticket prices to that gig or like a hundred euro or something like 95 oh. or like it's something like what the fuck uh, anyway so look this vinyl thing right um five discs of 180 gram vinyl with music on one side and etched art on the other they've been autographed and they've got fancy packaging how much money would you be willing to part with uh, for this item because i hope the answer dear listener that you're screaming right now is 810 dollars because that's how much it costs um, I was going for eight hundred nine. Sorry, so close. Um, I'm not. I'm not stretching the, to that extra dollar. Eight this ten. Is, it's it weirdly. I think okay. That's that, rent that's money. Exorbitant. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, Maynard James Keenan does own a winery, so he's gone bougie. This has been known. They're a prog band. I guess there are obsessive fans that are willing to part with their money um, to this 
degree. Although you've got a couple of Reddit thread links here where fans are kind of up in arms. There's something about the fact that it's autographed as well that somehow, to use that word again, makes it seem a bit more tawdry or I don't know what it is about the autograph thing. It just feels like they're kind of fleecing something as opposed to giving you this, you know, high quality package. Do you know what I mean? I mean, also, I'm not sure if I said euros or dollars, but to clarify, it is $810. Um, it's more that it's like, this isn't an act that I would necessarily associate this kind of stuff with, you know, like like pop acts and maybe hip hop groups, you'd maybe think that like that's very commercial. It's where you would kind of drive up the commerciality aspect of these things. But for Tool to be like, please pay us almost a grand for a set of vinyl. It's like, I don't know. I mean, like. Lateralis, I, maybe. I disagree <laughs> to, to be honest I think they have that kind of like air of I don't know they, they just come from such kind of a proggy background they're quite esoteric they're quite um snobby in a lot of respects there's also all those kind of um a bit seedy stories about like uh letting kind of fans backstage and they'd have all these kind of built-in rules they seem to have a weird relationship and i'm not kind of suggesting anything too dark but just a weird relationship with fans being very much below them on the totem pole and then buying into the kind of rock god thing so that totally leads me to be like yep this is something that's in their wheelhouse do you know what i mean fair enough um one act that have always kind of been at removed from their fans to a certain degree because they are in fact cyborgs are daft punk uh, a year after daft punk announced their split which of course was the saddest day in music history um they announced earlier the week that they are putting out a deluxe edition of homework their debut album which is yeah. a great album to be fair um they also announced that they were doing a live stream of a rare 1997 concert oh check that out you can't. No. <laughs> well, I don't think you can <laughs> because it was streamed on Twitch um, on Tuesday, and it was like I think it was like a concert before like they even started dressing as robots and stuff. But like I I tried to go back and watch it, and it was like completely boxed off and closed away. I think it was you had to watch it in real time type thing. And I did see some people on Twitter watching it and being like, "This fucking rules!" And it's like yeah, I think sure I've said before, mirrors or something up there. Desperately wish I had seen Daft Punk live. I never did, and I remember like years ago in Drada, like a friend of mine had a spare ticket to the Marley Park gig in two thousand six, and apparently he asked everyone except me because he didn't think I liked them. I did, and I was upset, and it didn't happen. But you know, what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so they were bringing out a deluxe version for the twentieth anniversary of Homework, and you Will know, be picking up Homework full of remixes and stuff. I mean, like maybe I don't have it on vinyl, but like it's not like you can't get it. Like there are. Yeah. It is out there already in its original form. And also, it's kind of that era of music where when I'm getting vinyl, a definite consideration for me is like, did this album come from a period where that was the main format or it was kind of built for that? Do you know what I mean? I don't associate kind of 90s dance so much with that thing. Although maybe mm-hmm. I should. I mean, they were playing in clubs and stuff, so it probably sounds immaculate. I'm sure it does. Well, I know but, I'm, um, I'm more of a casual vinyl guy. I don't know about you, but uh, actually out of curiosity, <laughs> because like I, I have hit that, like I've had the honeymoon period for sure, and I have cooled off on my wanton vinyl purchases. And as a matter of fact, I'm sad to report that even since I moved into my new gaff, I still haven't fully, I have it set up, but I haven't fully got comfortable yet. Am I kind of, I'm still kind of getting my room together, so I haven't even fully got my vinyl kind of space perfectly done and you know you're running around Craig you're doing things uh out of curiosity what is the last vinyl record that you bought um it's a good question has it been a while it's been it's been a while yeah it might have been that Arthur Russell reissue it can't have been that far back I did get some jazz stuff I got another one of those like um 
lucky bag lucky dip bundles do you remember the one that didn't turn up for like you got conned again did you by like late night shopping channel or whatever it is <laughs> well the first one eventually got to me I put, I put in another order and it, it arrived and it was great the stuff was really good it was like really good pressings and stuff so I've gone in for another one of those but it's not here yet so um, I'm kind of in a weird vinyl limbo but certainly I haven't been I was in Tower Records today and I didn't walk out with anything uh, so yeah it's yeah I don't know it's, just, for a browse, it's quite a big you? commitment isn't it I just went for a browse it's a nice nice environment you know? it is a nice environment sound staff you know good place to go check it out Check it Sport out, guys. Tower Records. <laughs> Records still going. Uh, Long the, the last one I got, I got the uh, the the soundtrack to Heat. And let me tell oh. you. Oh, <laughs> okay, I'm in. Let I'm me tell in. you. <laughs> like, serious, serious vibes off that one. Blue as well. Midnight blue finish on the thing. Oh, I could talk about it all day. But instead, we'll move to the final story in the news section. And it's Liam Gallagher weighing in on the whole Damon Albarn thing. What did he have to say, Craig? I assume it was very um, friendly and measured. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. Um, let me just get to the quote. So he was talking about his new record, which is coming out, which is called, what is the title of it? It's some ridiculous Liam Gallagher thing. It's like called Come On You Know or something. Yeah, Come On You Know. <laughs> it's the new title of the solo album, which I kind of love. But the whole thing is that it's like an album of co-writes he's done with different people. Great I believe timing. Ezra Koenig's on a track with Dave Grohl as well in. is on the current. Yeah, single, the lead single is is with um Dave Grohl. It's called Everything's Electric, which I love as well. It's just like yeah, you know, he had She's Electric, He's Electric, Everything's Electric, and then yeah, you know, the conversation turned to whether co-writing counts as real songwriting. So you know, the ob- obvious inference being the Damon Albarn thing. Liam had this to say. Says who? All them effing gorilla albums are co-writes, aren't they? I get it. Noel bangs on about it as well. I'm more important than you because I write my feckin' songs. Um, so yeah, he's still still annoyed at Noel and lumping Damon in with it. I actually remember quotes from a couple of years ago where Noel got her started hanging out with Damon Albarn. And Liam was just like, oh yeah, there they are. Two tossers. <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> songwriters. Uh, he continued, well, he won't be saying that again in a hurry, though, will he? Did he not get ran out of effing town by the Swifters? The Swifters. Joy <laughs> so will now be calling them from this point on. I love that. And then he says uh, his usual thing of, I think Taylor's effing cool, man. She does write her songs, and I'm sure she's co-wrote with people. And that's about as diplomatic as you're going to get from him. I don't know why I kept saying effing when I've already been cursing quite proficiently i think uh, it's, episode, it's yeah. just the transcript is it from whatever side i pulled it's it just from, the transcript yeah which i guess was just too afraid to put in actual curse words headlines oh, no, they're there oh, oh, I, I, self-censors. oh you're yeah, doing it okay do the show. yeah maybe you're know. just trying to uh, achieve a more mellow corner of the world this week given I, all I, the... I guess i didn't want to caricature liam gallagher too much and do that whole thing of like they're constantly cursing and do you know what i mean you kind of start wandering into mancunian rip-off territory i don't know that's fair. He's a real human being, you know, with real emotions. and. Well, Craig, why don't we stride powerfully into Power Ballad Territory for our top five this week on the show. Um, as noted up top, uh, Guns N' Roses' November Rain turned 30 years of age uh, during the week. And so that's what inspired this. But uh, <laughs> in classic no-encore fashion, we're going to switcheroo that a little bit. And we're going to pay tribute to a different ballad by an equally ridiculous hair metal band of the day um which 
it's funny because like when we talked about doing this, I in a bid to try and tempt Craig into going along with this top five, yeah. I was like, I'll even give you this one, and then <laughs> we were kind of like, well, hang on, I was like, we should have an actual serious talk because again, for any new listeners to the show, um, uh, the gimmick, if you will, um, or <laughs> I don't know why it's a gimmick. It's that's a wrestling thing. I'm, I'm not trying to you know dumb down what we do, but the the hook, I suppose, the characteristic, conceit. the conceit of what we do is that I don't know what Craig is picked for a top five week on week. Craig doesn't know what I have picked for a top five week on week. Sometimes we cross over. I'm pretty proud that usually we don't. Now that I've said that, I'm sure we will this week, but we'll see what happens. But the point is, it's a mystery to both of us, just like it is to you. And that's the fun part of the whole damn thing, I would hope. But a certain thing had to uh, to feature. It had to be a permanent fixture, I suppose, of what we're about to do. Uh, Craig, can you set up this clip? And it's a good chance for you to use your favorite word that you often get to use. This is, for me, the urtext <laughs> of Parabolics. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> Which is basically like the original text that, you know, you can constantly copy from thereafter. Uh, I don't actually quite believe that, although one of the members of this group definitely does. Uh, but there is something about it. I was listening to it on the walk home <laughs> from the train just before we started recording. I've been listening to it kind of all week. Yeah. It's not on my top yeah. five. Unironically it's- enjoying it, like ludicrous but it is kind of everything we were previously talking about where it's you know those hard living bad boys uh showing off their sensitive side breaking out the piano it's often i've found with these songs it's kind of like they're trying to write an elton john song but they don't quite have the ability so they're just like just lob on some guitars and a guitar solo and do some screeching and we're laughing and sometimes it's pure alchemy and this is one of those times here it is just take this song Unbelievable. Home sweet home. <laughs> the crew. <laughs> home sweet home by Motley Crew. Um outstanding really in lots of ways. Uh, and it has a special association for us, Craig. Can you possibly explain it without getting us cancelled from a film that is you know, I rewatched it recently, Craig, and yeah, you know, it is it's it's problematic. But <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, how could a film called Hot Tub Time Machine be possibly problematic? Um a gross out comedy from twenty ten, you say? It sure is. <laughs> Um, yeah, if this song features quite heavily in the, that film, which, like, as the title suggests... It's an is, active um, plot point in a very dark scene to kick things off, essentially. Yeah, it's um, an accidental carbon monoxide situation <laughs> where <laughs> Rob Corddry is drink-driving. And he's, um, a kind <laughs> he slams of, back into the garage and this comes on and he's like, oh, no fucking way! He's a big crew head, yeah. He's in his 40s and he's kind of reminiscing about his um, glorious youth and he gets carried away and keeps hitting the gas and um, it's so passes funny. out. And he's, he's found kind of like he's brought to the emergency room and his friends think that he was doing something more sinister. So to recap, sure his kind of lust for life they go to his ski lodge that they all used to go in the 80s and they go back to the 80s and 
yeah i'm gonna have to revisit it pretty soon um so just to step I, I, to step in here yeah. i will say that there was back in the hot press days when craig and i worked together under difficult circumstances in lots of ways um <laughs> just the two of us working together <laughs> yeah, it was a real mom and pop yeah. store operation um so um so many issues to print oh yeah there was one long nights <laughs> there was one day in particular i was having a bad day and I remember Craig was like, do you know what you should do? You should watch Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> and I was just like, no, fuck, oh, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're so sincere about it. And I was like, no, Craig, I will not be watching a film oh, by the name of me up. Hot Tub Time Machine. And then you were like, and I never forgot this. You were like, trust me, it's glorious knowing trash. And I went home that night. And I watched Hot Dog Time Machine and I laughed a lot and I found it very funny. We watched it together one night and years, then years later. Now, and I rewatched it there about two weeks ago on one of those nights where I was like, I just need to watch Trash right now, the way where my head is at. And, you know, this might make me feel better. And it's funny because, like, I do think it's genuinely fucking hilarious. I think some of the jokes are extremely strong and well done. And but, I, like, it is, it but, is quite knowing, though, isn't it? It is quite knowing. And I think ultimately its heart is in the right place. However,. I do have to step in. There's now some stuff, yeah, you can't get and away say with that even oh, should, even, even in 2010, yeah, yeah. like there's 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 homophobic stuff in there. There's mild yeah. racism. There's you could argue that there's. Quite, I mean, it was quite the 80s. Booker, quite a lot of sexism in there, and like you know, none of which are endorsed. But that's why there's this weird balance because I do well, think it's very funny in, in, in a lot of places, and I do think it actually has a sweetness to it. But just 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 be aware, this this yeah. could be what gets us cancelled. Our, my my our thing was always it's like hot tub time machine. Yeah, it's like imagine if The Hangover had actual charm, um, and John Cusack, which is two two points for it. But also, what I think the the difference is is like to me, it never like championed the kind of scumbag characters who were like doing all that kind of stuff. It was kind of like demeaning them for our entertainment. So obviously, there's some kind of problematic, probably vicarious stuff going on where it's like, uh, this isn't quite working. But like to me they were always kind of the joke and they're a bit well-rounded and, you know, it's not like Bradley Cooper kind of like saying fuck you to the rest of the world and everyone being like, oh, he's so awesome. Do you know what I mean? It's these kind of pathetic figures and that's kind of what I thought the joke was. So, yeah. Yeah. That is my, <laughs> that is you, my rationale. You have it, to just yeah, try and apply back. a certain level of, you know, <laughs> when this, when Home Sweet Home is a central <laughs> plot, plot point, point, as yeah. you say, and also the emotional heart of the film in many ways yeah so this is um, what we're getting at in terms of like to bring it back to the song we're, we're getting at this this skyscraping stuff and like for me what, what it came down to in the parabola department was right these songs have to be songs where you can imagine the boy band get off the stool moment essentially you know like it, like a moment where the singer like clutches their fucking fists in front of them roars to the heavens guttural emotion spilling out of you complete unabashed raw sentimentality and the kind of thing that if you were like six pints deep and karaoke was on you're like oh i'm gonna do it i'm gonna give it a go that's kind of the baseline i need from a power ballad whatever the genre however knowing or unknowing it is whoever it's by whatever year it's from that's my basic thing now with that in mind craig before we move on to the actual list if you right, could, if you also have the piano part being written by tommy lee like he's, he's composing Lick My Love Pump or something, which is actually true. Tommy Lee sat down at the piano and penned this. And Vince Neil was like, oh my God, man. And amazing. that's how they wrote the song. Absolutely fucking amazing. But the problem with the power ballad is, like we said, like, you know, how do you do genre limitations? Maybe we should arrange yeah. ourselves in further. Because like, I'm going to give you an example of like, you know, here's a song, right, that I desperately wanted to include. 
but I didn't include it. I still think it should count, but here's... So here, this is not in my top five, but I'd be curious to see what Craig's reaction is. So, never played on the show before. Here we go. Oh, darling. Yeah, it's Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle, everybody. It's Diamond Lights. I had to get it in there, Craig. I had to do it. I'm glad you did. I love that. It's too synthio, I would it's say. Too power pop. And yeah. also, there's there's a strong vein of R and B running and deep soul running through that song. It's it's almost too smooth. Do you know what I mean? Okay, fair enough. Um, with that in mind, before we kick it off, you did mention that you struggled. You did mention that this turned to a bit of a love hate thing. Can you take us through the the strugglesome element that you went that, that hit you the hardest? I think it was. Um, it was just the kind of the self-doubt and the kind of um, bartering and negotiating with my own sense of taste that went on because I was looking at a lot of songs that I have hated for years and I got to a point where I was playing Bon Jovi songs. I put on Bon Jovi's Always and I'm like, actually, this, is this pretty good? This is gonna... And I was like, what am I doing? Like, trying to find the positives in like hepatitis or something. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, to, not to put too fine a point on it, but um, they didn't make it. So I've got, uh, we'll see. It'll actually be a decent talking point because you can answer w- whether I answered the brief. Um, some of them, I think I, I'm going to make a strong case for all of them. I hate that I have to make a strong case for all of them. I think my clips are really good, though, and I think there's good stuff in them. So will I kick off? Yes, please. Okay, so my first way in and to, to open things up was looking at maybe the history of the power ballad. And when I was I was going through power ballad playlists, a lot of the songs in there, I was like, these aren't actually even power ballads. Um, one song that never featured and just popped into my mind because I'm such a damn good music journalist was a song from 1978 and a lot of people were making cases that 1976 might have been when power ballads properly started coming to the fore because FM radio kicked in and just kind of the lush production that kind of lent itself to that anthemic kind of rock drive in songs. And this is an example of, it's not bad boys, it's a female artist, but it's them doing something entirely different, kind of crossing over, kind of selling out. And it was written by someone who I think might embody the power ballad without ever ha- actually having done one themselves. So here's my number five. It's a bit left field, but here we go. Fire I Love is a banquet on which we feed. I think this has all the ingredients it's the only problem with it might be that it's slightly too cool it's because the night it's patty smith and it was a song written by bruce springsteen um who like he's been on the verge of power balladry i think over the years and he's never quite gone there and it's interesting because i think a lot of the bruce knockoffs you're kind of brian adams's and those have gone full power ballad but even him writing this song he didn't include it on the record um, Darkness on the Edge of Town. He was kind of in limbo with that record because of like legal problems for years. And when he eventually got around to kind of gearing up to release it, 
the song was about like total hopelessness it or sorry the album was about total hopelessness this song didn't fit in with that it was just unabashed love thing and he kind of talked about how it was too earnest it was too big it was too kind of almost sickly sweet and patty smith who is not known for those things was in a really good place in terms of her relationship with um fred smith at the time um kind of loved up Jimmy Iovine, who she was working with because of the Bruce Association, he was like an engineer, um, was working on her album Easter, which they decided, I mean, she says she doesn't like words like uh, mainstream and accessible. They wanted to communicate more, quote unquote, with the audience, which is basically, I think, selling out a little bit. Um, But they didn't quite have the hit. So Jimmy Iovine was like, I think Bruce had like a song knocking around the vaults, which could work for Patti Smith. Um... It totally does. She kind of reworked the lyrics um, in one evening when she was waiting for uh, a phone call um, from Fred and like that works into some of the lyrics. It's it's a bit of a torch ballad really in ways, but it has that kind of big, massive rock solo. It's just built for radio. And I think this paves the way for a lot of those kind of blustery 80s rock songs that are very much power ballads. Um, but it's just, you know, kind of hipster's choice, I guess. <laughs> Hipster choice is fine, Craig. You're allowed at least one of them, just not all five. Uh, sorry, I was. Oh no, it, uh, it won't be all five. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Wait till you see what's coming up. I'm very excited about what's, about what's to come. But sorry, I got momentarily distracted there by seeing a headline that says Sean Penn is on the ground in Ukraine filming a documentary about Russia's invasion. That's where we're at right now. So oh, just so you know, of course he is. Of course he is. He's not in the top five. I'm surprised though. he's not like arm wrestling Putin. <clears throat> well, I That's mean, let's not rule anything out. Um, and let's not dismiss my number five, because uh, it's one of those ones that I think is maybe an obvious choice, but sometimes the obvious choice is the only choice. And I think this one is... I, I'm 99% certain you have picked the song before for a different top five. And it made, like, I think the thing about the five songs I have this week is, like a good power ballad should, they all made their cases the more I, you know, put them up against other songs. So here is an undisputed classic from the 70s. You always smile, but in your eyes your sorrow shows. Yes, it Cocky Craig was wrong there, by the way. Said he knew what it was, but it uh, wasn't. Yeah, I won't reveal what I thought it was. Okay. It's Nielsen. It is. It's Harry Nielsen. It's Without You. I believe that's a cover, right? By Badfinger? Didn't they write the original song? Yeah, Back in the sure. day. Um, um, Sarah Hederman would be thrilled. Big Nielsen fan. She'd be very happy. Yeah, this is my continuation of celebrating, her, celebrating her, her recent 30th birthday. We have to get a reference to we'll Sarah. continue Ryan. for yeah. the rest of the year, I believe. I right? would imagine so. That's usually how it works. Yes. Yeah. Um, just an incredible song. What a towering achievement. And for many people, I think it is the power ballad, right? A lot of people kind of say, well, this is this is, this is is the Urtex, not Motley Crue and Home Sweet Home. Um a song. Uh, yeah, I think there might be another Urtex as well, but I don't want to spoil I guess, it. I guess we'll find out. Well, it's such we'll a, tea, we'll such a tease this week, Craig. Oh. Um, just a, an incredibly wonderful song in terms of its kind of gravitational pull, I would say, and its ascendancy the more it goes on. Um, I sometimes just deceive myself to think that the song is quote-unquote bigger than it is, but it's those little kind of lifts that they're actually quite devastating. Uh, it's, it's wildly self-indulgent from a lyrical point of view, as a parabolic probably should be. 
I mean, it's right there in the lyrics. I can't live if living is without you. Like, you know, yeah. maybe, is, is it about toxic masculinity? It could be. Um, I associate this with a few different things. Um, it is toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of them. Um, I associate it with, um, oh God, this is going to be an awful, a terrible follow up. My dad, because this was one of his favorite songs. So, you know, paying tribute to my dad. And I also associate it with um, a really harrowing scene from uh, the Rules of Attraction film adaptation. Um, in which a character, uh, trigger warning, sorry, um, takes their own life. It's very sad. Um, but it's a hell of a song, and it's quietly devastating. But it, it does what the songs of this style should do. It goes up and up and up and up and up and up and up. It's crazy uh, insular at the same time. And yeah, I do find myself mesmerized by it. And when I go back to it and allow those kind of few minutes to kind of swallow me up... Uh, Jesus, like, you know, Harry, no, stop breaking my heart, man. Um, it, it was nowhere near my top five until it was. And then I was like, yeah, I can't not, I can't not announce the top five. I think it is the most quote unquote maudlin of the five I have, but okay, sometimes you need a bit of maudlin in your life, Craig. I love Harry Nielsen. He's, yeah, he was this kind of walking wound of a man in the best possible way. So bloody raw. Great songwriter in his own right as well. I am very surprised by this selection because I thought you were going to lean more into the distortion, the edginess. I did not see the strings coming. I did not see the Nielsen coming. Well, I can tell uh, you that my, my original number five was Snuff by Slipknot, which I did not include in the that's top That's what five. I, yeah. Uh, I didn't <laughs> okay. go there. Because I thought about Vermilion Part 2, but I was like, no, that's not Power Ballad, it's just Ballad. Uh, but Snuff by Slipknot is very much in the Power Ballad range. And it's incredibly uh, clumsy. I love the song, but it is like, you know, the shaky emotion of it all. With a hilarious video with Malcolm McDowell, which is worth checking out. Um, And I I nixed it for Nielsen. So there you go. I'm very proud, I must say. Might be one of my proudest moments on the show. Growth. Craig, you're you're witnessing growth. Speaking of... (laughs) One episode at a time. Speaking of hilarious videos... um, Let's go get to my number four. Um, and I've just realized that uh, my ordering is kind of a bit off because because The Night is an incredible song. And I guess some of the rest of the songs on this list are incredible in different ways. I've gone for narrative because I feel like this is the evolution of what Patti Smith was doing. And again, we're not quite getting to the bad boys in the band as yet. We're getting to a Welsh singer um, who still performs this... Um, song quite a bit during certain um celestial events one of the headlines i spotted when i was doing some research for for this was the Welsh singer will perform title of song aboard a royal caribbean cruise just as the cosmic event oh craig i think we figured place. this out don't worry <laughs> <laughs> will they play it yeah stick on total eclipse of the yeah, here's bonnie tyler everybody <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bonnie Tyler, 1983, um, written and produced, of course, by the late, great Jim Steinman. I think his towering achievement, I would take this over any of his other work, and he had a lot of it, uh, a lot of stuff that, you know, 
flew pretty high. Uh, you know, his work with Meatloaf as well, for sure, um, being the big thing. Actually, Meatloaf for years contended that this was written for him. He was very annoyed at the time that it ended up in Bonnie Tyler's hands. Um, Jim Steinman said, no, actually, I, I could never quite complete it. And when we started working together, um, myself and Bonnie, I was just like, this is going to be a great um, showpiece for her voice which he said um, he compared favorably to John Fogarty. <laughs> and it really is a great showpiece. Um, and yeah, it would seem like it wasn't really intended for Meatloaf. Meatloaf's like record label refused to pay um, songwriting to Jim Steinman. So he missed out on like three number one songs. <laughs> As a result, she's like, well done, lads. Um, but this works brilliantly for her voice. It's absolutely like ludicrous. Um, this nearly made my list of... Um, frequently misunderstood songs remember we did that recently enough because it turned out that um this is a song about what dave do you know uh, could you hazard a guess uh, no because you, you've you've short-circuited my brain now just tell me yeah so it's yeah so years later jim steinman was um developing a broadway show as is his <clears> once <throat> like when when was he not um it turned out to be a flop it was called dance of the vampires I believe he worked on it with Roman Polanski. Oh my god! I had a preview run in like Prague, um, uh, a preview run in Vienna, and he needed a big show-stopping song, and he didn't have enough time to write one. So he's like, "I've actually already written a song about vampiric love," and it was this song, and it was originally called "Vampires in Love." So he just shoved it in with the <laughs> rationale, with the rationale, like, "Like I'll write something as we go," and it's just a preview run. And his quote was. Who's ever going to know? It's Vienna. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. Like knocking out the stress words. And then it just worked so well, you had to leave it in and the show was a flop. But actually, if you listen to the lyrics, it does make a lot of sense. It's a whole thing of like, I guess, bright eyes is like, you know, you're still um, a living human being and you turn around and you succumb to the darkness and... It's got that gothic video. It's got that demonic child that there's an urban legend that it was Gianfranco Zola in the video, which is brilliant as well. And all of the stories, you should read up, um, listener, on the kind of making of this because it was just Jim Steinman in a studio being like, we've maxed out the reverb. Is there no more reverb on this thing? And like demanding that they add extra cannon sounds. And like the engineers just being like, we can't, Jim, we can't. And then like doing backing vocals to like <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> just complete excess, which I love. Every light is red on that desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, it just works. I, I mean, it's, I don't even know if it's, I think it's a great uh, like accomplishment and kind of monstrosity. And I'm not sure if I even enjoy it. I just kind of like. I'm in all of it. I think it's great. No, I do. I, I know where you're coming from with the monstrosity angle, but I think that it hits a point where, like, just when it, it, it doesn't double down, it doesn't triple down, it fucking quadruples down at one stage, yes. and it just gets yeah, so yeah. big and so massive, and it's completely undeniable. Like, it's a word that we use in the show very often, undeniable, but, like, this is one of the great unstoppable songs. It's just, it's so fucking powerful. It's a freight train and it's brilliant. And she's brilliant on it. Like, she's absolutely yeah, fantastic. She's Even if she did, Craig, stand me up at Electric Picnic a few years ago when I was supposed to interview her after her oh, yeah. turn on the Electric Ireland stage. Um, <laughs> supposed to interview her after her set. And I guess she just wasn't up for it, which hurts to this day. The vampire angle is great, though, because I'm actually currently re-watching the television show Angel. 
Um, again, like oh, I said, I started a Buffy rewatch. Did you? Enough, and no yeah, fucking it's very, way. It's great. It's a great comfort <clears throat> watch. I never actually got into Angel. Like I, I love watched Angel. I think a bit it's of it at the time, but yeah, years ago. I think it's the superior show. It's the superior show. First three seasons of Buffy are great. Then it gets pretty bad, and I didn't yes. continue with it all the way. Angel's pretty solid all the way through. I'm on season three now. Uh, like I said lately, I was like, my, my brain can't really handle. I need kind of, you know, just not trash because I think Angel's actually quite a good show in in amongst its own genre containment. Kind of, but yeah, but familiar, familiar, watch, familiar, yeah. and kind of comfortable watching and like stuff you can kind of blast through. Like it's, I think watching two episodes of say Angel or Buffy versus watching an hour and a half film, it, it's a different vibe, and yeah. uh, very much enjoying it. Uh, even started spiking my hair up again in tribute to. David Boreanaz. Sharp. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty sharp. Uh, and what a sharp song. Uh, so number four for me in the Parabell is right. I'm going to bring it from uh, an old song to, well, this isn't an old song now per se, but it is about 20 years old, almost at this stage. Um, my last song was Without You. You know, it's kind of in that kind of, you know, much more... You know, we use the word toxic. Um, I don't think this one is necessarily toxic, but like this was one. For th- this is one from the mid two thousands, Craig. Right, and okay. this was in a straight shootout with another song. In fact, they were both in my top five at one stage. But I wanted to have a bit of scope, so reluctantly, my what what was my number one all week is not in my top five. I booted it. I got rid of it, and I felt Ooh. that it, I felt that I could I couldn't have this and have that. So. To my great shock, Craig, Hoopastank's The Reason did not make it into my top five. <laughs> it's not a power ballad. I guess it yes, is. Yes, it yeah. is. But it I went is. back and forth about the power ballad nature of it. And I thought that there was a song from the same year, another big uh, North American slash Canadian uh, commercial hit. Oh, God. And here it is at number four. <laughs> oh, that's yours. My mistake. I'll play mine. <laughs> Also, no, I think you're wrong. I think the one that you're thinking of is not what it actually is. Here we go. I'm with you, Craig. It's Avril Lavigne. Um, I thought that was 2004. Maybe it's 2002. I remember 2003. Maybe it's off her first record. But uh, Avril Lavigne, I'm with you. Amazing. Uh, Craig thought I was teeing up Nickelback there, but I wasn't. Well, Avril flashed through my mind. Um, This was a song I encountered during the week. Also, the Nickelbackness, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I was teeing up... um, I was was concerned. I was teeing up Mrs. Nickelback. Are they still together? Didn't they get married? I I believe... Yeah, well, they were married, but I, I think they might have separated. That's a shame. Um, That's a shame. But give what, it a quick Google. You, you can check it out. You. you can let me know. Um, Avril Lavigne, yes. Um, a much maligned artist, I would say, for lots of reasons. Sometimes valid. Um, but I think this has always they've, been... They've been divorced seven years, <laughs> which is <laughs> no, devastating. Painful but years. hold on. They they remain friends. And actually, I, I can now remember, I feel like they pop up on each other's Instagram. They like hang out. and So it's quite sweet. That's nice. That's not weird at all. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing, right? I'm with you. <laughs> is a great pop song a great power ballad and to me it, it, it identifies and embodies it typifies it completely visualizes the whole damn thing the video she's belting this out Craig like her lungs mm-hmm. are practically fucking exploding out of that signature white vest she wears um, great video wandering around a party you don't want to be at she's clearly very devastated um, great vocal 
great song unironic like I mean I think some people kind of like go like have a weird kind of almost like oh yeah it's one to kind of do a karaoke and laugh about but no this is a this is a classic love song and it it, it hits all those notes literally uh, and I think it's uh, I think it deserves to be held up there as, as one of the great songs of the early 2000s well, it t- yeah it ticks the box in terms of like um, the incongruity of there it is yeah, it, it was a move it was definitely a kind of a slight move to and with the best one world, a kind of more po-faced territory. I mean, that is kind of, that is being a bit harsh on it, but you know what I mean? Like a moment where we're going to deliberately get serious and a lot of the kind of other big hits are like tongue in cheek or like knowing or plugged into pop culture. And this is like, I am a serious artist. I have got this ballad. I want to express my feelings with no kind of layer of, you know, subtlety or subtext. Irony, yeah. So, yeah, it's complete heart subtext. on the sleeve and that's what like that's totally what this has is. to be. Yeah. And like again but it has that ascension moment where it has that like you know here's act 3, here's you know the bit where you jump off the stool and the fucking lights come on and everyone goes mental and uh it's just it's it's perfectly contained in its world. I do think the reason by Hubastank should also qualify though. Those two in a shootout, tough. You never know, depending on the week, the Hubastank boys could do it, but this week it's all about Levine or Melissa or whatever she's called these days. <laughs> Okay, this is me getting into the um, dark heart of the power balance. Okay, I'm waiting for this. Um, like, you know what? When I was trying to... I went through a lot of different top fives um, and I couldn't always figure out the criteria. I, there were certain songs that I thought were all-timers that I was sure were power ballads and then actually doing a bit of digging just wasn't like... There was too much rhythm, there was too much funk and actually quite often in terms of the criteria it just dawned on me that the songs were simply slightly too good <laughs> to be considered power ballads um so i've gone with this and i've gone with this because a lot of the big 80s power ballads are i always disliked and um they've been overplayed which has only kind of made the hate fester and kind of prolonged it with this it's been ruined to a degree through association with like last orders and late bars and stuff um on its Wikipedia, it actually says, um, Power Ballad is one of the most popular rock tracks in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual line. <laughs> I think you probably know what's coming. I will say that actually, I still find merit in it and its association with one particular pop culture moment. And I don't know, even from this clip you're about to hear, I I kind of like this song. I'm going to say I, I still like this song. And also I had to include it because... Um, it presented the opportunity to make you listen to 30 seconds of this song you've probably heard far too much as well so here we go Okay, let's let's just record. I I think we're having a good episode. This feels like a good one. Um, Although, like, you keep teasing, like, this kind of long, dark night of the soul, and then you're just throwing banger after banger out, which is weird. But uh, a few observations on this one. This is, of course, it's it's Craig's pick. Tell everyone what it is, Craig. 
<laughs> um, it's a little known band called Journey and it's Don't Stop Believing. It is, um, yeah. From 1981. Not a huge hit when it came out, but, you know. We all know pop culture, pop culture changed and... in, the, in those early 2000s. Um, so here's the thing, right? Yeah. A couple of observations from my point of view, if I may. First of all, I thought you were teeing up like Sweet Child of Mine or something. Second of all, I don't know if this is a ballad. I think it's a pop song. And third of all, what... What really happened at the end of The Sopranos? What do you think? <laughs> Are we going to spoil The Sopranos for people? A show that ended in 2008? Seven, eight, yeah. 2007, I think. Um, what do I think happened? I think Tony was done for. I think he was shot in the back I, I of the fucking head, mate. You know, yeah. the whole show was his point of view, and <laughs> his point of view ended abruptly. Um, with, don't stop! And it just Look, cuts people out. had um, two years of a pandemic to rewatch The Sopranos or watch it for the first time, so I'm sorry yeah. it's over now. The, bit, the bigger question is kind of, did you enjoy what they did with that ending? Yes. I actually did. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, famously, well. I'm famously a bit critical of that show. Uh, I've always said it's a very good show. I don't think it's the best show of all time, but there's this weird Beatles thing about it where like people think it's the greatest thing ever and you can never criticise it at all. Admittedly, I probably should rewatch it, but I find the production values are a bit cheap and I think it's been taken off too much, all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was never a patch on like The Wire, for example. However, I've always thought that that was a fantastic ending. I thought the ambiguity of it was perfect, even if, for me, it only ended one way. I was surprised at the fucking continuous years of debate that would follow uh, coming from it. And I will say, and I wonder if I'm hijacking your, your, your upcoming points of your own here, but, like, I think this was one of the most inspired song choices of all time. And I think, ultimately, yeah, it it's a great. fucking incredible song. Sorry. <laughs> it fits in with the character perfectly as well. Um, and, yeah, actually, uh, there's a quote from Steve Perry in yeah so it was it aired June 2007 he was talking to People magazine uh, a week later and about the kind of usage of the song and he said I needed to know how this song was going to be used I didn't want the song to be part of a bloodbath if that was going to be the closing moment in order for me to feel good about approving the song use they had to tell me what happened and they made me swear that I would not tell anybody uh, and he didn't he's lying See, Perry, he, true to his he, word. he's been yeah, probably. he's using poetic license there to try and you know get some clicks um, <laughs> the most controversial thing is you, you're not quite certain this is a power ballad I think it has all of the ingredients you've got a band that started as like a prog rock concern and then by the 80s you know they're getting rid of like keyboard players that just want to stick to the noodling and they're getting in like Steve Perry I think a bit later where things are getting progressively smoother and love songs are filtering in And this was recorded in one take Dave fuck um, now, it also, now I have so much more respect for it it also does that kind of thing I've noticed with power ballads where um, it's not always the case. Sometimes it's just verse, chorus, verse, chorus. But with this, I think you only get the chorus once properly. It's towards the end. And there's all these kind of building moments. It's all about like forward momentum and some kind of big, almost like drop or a kind of big payoff. So I think you've got that going for it. I also think it invents a lot of like, it's basically... If you could just have this and get rid of Bon Jovi, this kind of sums up Bon Jovi's career, right? Because it's the kind of like the you know blue collar working class story of like the struggle and fading dreams, and but in that kind of poppy power ballady thing, and it kind of works. Like I even like, I nearly put in this is a big revelation, I nearly put in Toto's Africa and then I realised it's not a power ballad. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's because it's too good and there's too much um, African rhythm going on. <laughs> but what I love about that song is like it's got ludicrous lyrics that somehow work and I think the same goes for this song like it's got like all these hallmark- it's it's lazy grand gestures which I think the power ballad is often about where it's just like at one point Steve Perry's just like 
street lights people <laughs> he's just like naming vague things that kind of you know like well, suggest on. something I, I, more I, meaningful i need to harness you on this one now because this is the second time you've said like oh that's too good this is too good for it and now you're kind of like you're kind of kicking this genre craig am i too unfair that you think power ballads are in fact shite <laughs> i think i start i opened with that didn't i but i feel um, like you're really enjoying these songs uh, unironically i do yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just they're not in good taste. Wow. They don't have a tasteful palate. I do enjoy this. No, this is a well-written song. Fair play to the lads. Um, one point I loved, <laughs> sticking with the lyrics, is that, you know, the bit where uh, he mentions being born and raised in South Detroit. Um, song facts reveals that there is no South Detroit. <laughs> if you go south, apparently, of Detroit city center, you're just in Canada. <laughs> There's a different Canadian city. And Steve Perry was questioned on this. By, police, by Royal Canadian Mounted Police at a very awkward truck stop. And Steve Perry said, I tried North Detroit, I tried East and West, and it didn't sing. But South Detroit sounded so beautiful. I've gone into Trump, I don't know why. I love the way it's <laughs> oh so God. beautiful. So beautiful. I love the way the it sounded, beautiful. only to find out later it's actually Canada. And I think that's a very power ballad. That's move. nice. This song has multi-layers. Yeah. It was also about his dad, who, um, when he went to LA to try and make it and things weren't going well, he'd ring his dad every evening and his dad would be like, keep going, man. Don't stop believing. Don't give up on your dreams. So that was his tribute to him. Wow. And also, yeah, they tried to get Steve Perry on as a guest judge on American Idol. Randy Jackson, actually, we was in Journey as a bassist. And he was like, come on, man, join us as a guest judge. And Steve Perry turned him down saying, I don't feel good about sitting in judgment of anyone's honest passion to perform. Uh, are their talent if someone has a passion to perform they should do it no matter what anyone says <sighs> and then the band later refused to let Joe McEldry record a version of it because they're like no the version's perfect <laughs> and Randy Jackson <laughs> popped up to help Simon Cowell convince him yet again he's like I'm sorry Randy I don't care about the money <laughs> this is a complicated so, man and yeah. wildly contradictory in places <laughs> like so <laughs> hugely yeah. much like the song um, outstanding choice Craig thought about it didn't pick it because uh, don't know if it's power ballad but uh, well you know we can we can talk about that another time. But we'll talk now instead about uh, my number three because I did tease the idea of just doing exclusively metal ballads. I didn't do that in the end. It's mostly a non-metal list. This is this is as heavy as it's going to get. Um, but you wanted distortion. You wanted some edge. And now here you go. Here's my number three. about time Craig it's about time that Kill Switch Engage made their top 5 debut on No Encore I believe it is I've their top waiting. 5 <laughs> we all every have every week I'm saying when are Kill Switch Engage gonna pop up <laughs> for two years it's Kill Switch Engage and the song is The End of Heartache I think it's also from 2004 uh, wonderful 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 you know lads being sad about things kind of music you know again the, the hands outstretched the fist clutched I love it I love the emotion of it I've never seen Kill Switch Engage live which seems kind of impossible to me but I have to imagine that when this goes down it's just a bunch of just a bunch of tough men having a big hug together you know that's what you want um, I love this song I love Howard Jones's vocals he was actually the second vocalist in the band I think he's since left and been replaced by the original guy again I would have gotten to Killswitch Engage 
uh, around the time that their first album came out when I was in school. But they got some absolute fucking bangers in the mid-2000s, man. Uh, Rose of Sharon, My Curse. But The End of Heartache is the big one, I think. Um, it was the theme song to uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse, the sequel to Resident Evil uh, in the amazing Mila Jovovich franchise that we all know and love. Um, I saw the first one, didn't stick around for the sequel. I mean, you, you don't know what you're missing. Um, but here's the thing, right? <laughs> uh, this is like, I think when it comes to metal ballads, like you stray into a very very cheesy territory a very yes. very like it's it's hard to be sincere and get away with it i think this one kind of does uh and i think it's better than say the aforementioned snuff by slipknot and a lot of the other kind of pretenders because when i looked around the metal ballad kind of world i was like oh, a lot of these are just shite like a lot of these are just like really kind of phoned in and nonsensical but Killswitch engage really go for it man uh i i love them as musicians i think his vocals are amazing and this was always like the big tough guy, sad boy thing. And I, th- and I think it is great to this day. And it's one of those ones where I'm like, oh yeah, why haven't I listened to that song in a while? It's amazing. Can I interest you in some trivia? Uh, can I? Oh, please. <laughs> always. <laughs> would, it, would it surprise you to learn that the end of heartache is the name of a finishing move by a professional wrestler um, by the name of Roderick Strong, who's a very good professional wrestler, it must be said. Now, uh, conjure... That's fantastic. Con- conjure up... <laughs> I fucking love that. But I want you to know... He's cursing again. <laughs> He's cursing again. I want you to try and picture... Uh, like, So the end of Heartache is the finisher. Can you... Um, like, like, If you had to envision what that physical maneuver was, what would the end of Heartache look like to you? What would the wrestler be doing to his opponent? Um, the, uh, I'm imagining some kind of pile driver. Some variation of a pile driver, is that incorrect? It's incorrect, but you're not a thousand miles away. It's actually a very complicated move, and I don't quite know how he does it. It's a weird thing where he kind of... going to talk us through it now? I'm going like, to oh, try and talk through it. So Rod- Roderick Strong, like, he hoists a guy up, I think, on his shoulders, and he kind of like does this weird kind of fireman's carry flip thing where the guy is like, falling down on his back, but then he... like. Roderick Strong, in the same maneuver, like flies back on his own knees and like smashes the guy off his own oh. knees. Because Roderick Strong, Craig, is known as the Messiah of the Backbreaker. <laughs> it's a very complicated move. I don't know how he does it. But uh, it, every time I'm like, oh yeah, at the end of Heartache. That's a great song by Killswitch Engage. But it is a power ballad. It is a fucking power ballad. Well, for the title alone, I mean, oh, yeah. you can't get more power ballad than that title. Yeah. It's it's angst city, you know? It's perfect. And it's perfect for tough lads who don't know how to express their emotions. And tough lads who do. And just people in general. Guys, girls, whoever. All are welcome to the sad end of heartache party. Why don't we have your number two? <laughs> cool. Sticking with that sentiment and tough lads. Um, I think you might fight me on this one. Um, and I, I don't know what I'm doing. This is actually the point where I'm not sure what I'm doing. I hope this, so, this because the we're fucking was... three songs in now. And so far, it's been fairly okay. kind of well, tame. What I will say is, I think this is... This is one of the first examples that came to mind, but it's not... It's like, it's a power ballad in everything but sound and instrumentation. So maybe you're going to fight me on it. There's literally no real electrical power to it. Um, although in the classic music video, it does open pointedly with the buzz of like minor feedback and then the amps are like switched off. And then you get this. And touch me, hold me close, don't. you love me cause I don't 
Um, have I broken the podcast? I think so. I had a stomach bug this week and I was actually physically sick for the first time in a while. It's not a fun place to be. And I'm not going to lie, Craig, I think my stomach just turned here once again at the... at the It's extreme, is it? It's extreme. It's more, more than, than words. words. It's, um... <laughs> During the pandemic, I went down... I went to a dark place. Surely. And I actually realised I, I started enjoying this song. I was listening to it a bit. Ooh, did you do a crocodile There's rock some on kind it, of inherent tranquility to those, um... Those intertwining melodies. I Listen... I don't know. I think this is definitely a power ballad though, right? I think it's one of the the best examples even though it doesn't have like the kind of crazy drums and the guitars because to me the image of Nuno Betancourt <laughs> flicking his long and lustrous hair as he harmonizes with Gary Sharon. Might just plug um, in the microphone is... at this point just call it a night. <laughs> I'm up at 7 in the morning. Come on. It's pure power ballad. Um, so yeah, extreme. Um, you were you were bang on there. Um, it is a parable. I agree. Were, it is. I, I, they I, were more commitment. Thank you. Commitment. I think. I, I I think is the is the key element here. Listen, I, I've seen footage of Jack Black belting this out, and I think that's kind of instant qualification, right? That's actually he's done Kiss from a Rose as well, so I think that's you're in that ball. Like if you have that moment of release vocally, Jack Black. Which this song has that. Yeah, the actor. He's, he's, yeah, he, he's always on the mic, man. Okay. Have you never seen him just pop up on a random chat show and he'll suddenly he'll be like, I'm doing a seal song now. I'm trying to avoid that kind of stuff, really. I've never seen School of Rock uh, either, would you believe? It's actually quite charming. So I hear. It, it, it's on the it list. It harnesses his abilities quite well. Um, but yeah, this was taken from the 1990 album Porno Graffiti. Excellent. Because <laughs> they were a funk metal band. I love the um, the idea of like people like this was a, a humongous song. Um, people just thought, oh, it's those two guys. It was actually a four piece, of course. Oh, apparently the rest of the band were kind of put out as well <laughs> when the lads were like, yeah, we think this is just a ballad. And they're like, are you not going to add like, you know, big drums and like properly? And they're like, no, no. Um, but yeah, no, I love the idea of someone just like hearing more than words and being like how do i get my hands on this song and then going into the record store and like asking for porno graffiti yeah and getting a whole heap of funk metal um (laughs) (laughs) they had a kind of another hit i think with another kind of power ballady song and then and then that was it i don't know the the tide was turning grunge was happening i think actually this is the moment metal concedes to grunge right because it is that coffee shop thing of like this could be a vedder kind of song do you know what i mean i think yeah i, I know what you're saying I, I would like to think that vedder is <laughs> superior to this but, uh, was this in a film this must have been in a film oh god why do i feel like it was in dumb and dumber or some kind of 90s comedy but like I, did it, it come it, but did, does, did like, is there like a music up. video like like did it because like this is so close to fucking wet 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 like i mean isn't it like it's very close to four weddings territory. yeah i think it's i'm gonna look superior. this up right now and just um, see because this must have uh, been in a film it, de- it definitely didn't cross over because of film i can tell you that much okay it was all the video it was all is the video I mean, you remember the video, is the video right? blue tinged is it is like a, is there a... yeah well it's like black and white yeah maybe it's kind of slight there's a slight tinge to it and it's just the two lads on stools like okay and it's it's hypnotic oh there's a um, westlife version Oh, Jesus. Well, hence the stills. Hang on a second. This can't be right. Stills and the tills. On the Wikipedia Um, page for this song, Irish boy band Westlife covered the song for the 1999 debut album Westlife and released as promotional single in their Venezuelan-only compilation album Grandes Exitos. Is that a thing? (laughs) 
Now I'm delighted I Peaking at number three on the Venezuelan singles chart. What? That is very strange. Um, do you want to do you want another um, little factoid about why it's an actual power ballad? Um, Always, yeah, of it's course. An actual, it's an actual power ballad, Dave, because Nuno Betancourt, Portugal's finest. Um, yeah, it sounds very also, like you know, scored scored the winning goal the Turing, in the dying seconds of the world final. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Betancourt with Rihanna <laughs> for years, which it's very cool. Um, yeah, he he was talking about when he knew this was a hit. <laughs> which I, I always love these stories they're great Nuno Betancourt um, recalls the first time we knew it was a hit was actually when Sebastian Bach told us <laughs> Skid Row Sebastian Bach he continues I remember we were in the studio with Dweezil Zappa and Sebastian Bach <laughs> people just pop in that you meet for the first time and he listens to more than words and he goes this is fucking huge it's a number one number one and then what he does he says I'm going to manage you guys. <laughs> he wanted to be our manager because of that song. He started calling people. He says, I'm going to manage. Forget your manager. I'm managing you. He was so out of control. But he knew. He heard it. And we're like, really? And they had a whole thing where they initially obviously liked the popularity. And then Gary Sharon has complained in subsequent interviews over the years where he's like, you know, we're tagged the more than words guys. Didn't like the perception uh, the song created about the band. They were, you know, seriously into funk metal. Uh, he remembered being on tour with Aerosmith uh, in Poland, and um, they decided they weren't going to play the song at all. <laughs> the one song everyone knew. <laughs> we just didn't do it, he says. And a couple of nights into the tour, Steven Tyler writes in big letters on our dressing room door, play the fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> which is great maybe the godfather of the power ballad I'd say I was so. thinking of Dream On by the way that, but yes oh, Dream On by Aerosmith is, is a fucking incredible that, song that might be the first but I, I'd used it already for I think songs I love by artists I dislike yes something like that, something like that um, which is yeah. it's, I, I thought about that one as well but hang on that's a, that's a very interesting one from Tyler like is he like was he like we won't be upstaged it's a great song just play it or was he just like don't yeah, be he, dickheads yeah he's Play I guess the he song, was like give the crowd, yeah, what they he's want, the consummate yeah, yeah. kind of showman, you know, the front man. Um, and he's, you know, he loves a bit of cheese. That's I mean, true. You know how Aerosmith's career went. We sure do. Uh, Would have killed for a song like "More Than Words" by the late nineties. Sterling career. Um, so here's the thing. Um, it, 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 you're right. It didn't. It wasn't birthed by like a film tie-in. But the video that, that you mentioned though was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris. He went on to direct "Little Miss Sunshine." So good for them. Um, oh, okay. Right, here we go. Number two for me. Um, not quite in the same vein, but kind of in a way. Uh, one that I know you're a fan of, and everyone should be, because it's a classic. And here it is. It's my number two. Does it get more power? Does it get more ballad than In Excess and Never Tear Us Apart? 
It's got it Such all. It's got it all. It's got the sax solo. It's got those big drums. It's got beautiful kind of like drum, 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 drum guitar coming in. And it's got dramatic pauses. Yeah. Lots of dramatic pauses. Uh, Michael Hutchins being amazing. A video in which he looks like a literal angel. Um, yeah. This is what I would imagine if like, because of course, you know, in the in the books, in the Vampire Chronicles, to bring it back to vampires for some reason, uh, the vampire Lestat becomes a rock star. Yes. This is where 100%. he would totally have gone with it, right? If he was around during that era. Um, very seductive. He looks so great in that video. He does. It's <laughs> like, impossible not to just be like stopped in your tracks and be like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? Um, just an all-timer. Um, snowy. You know, it feels very wintry and snowy and kind of, you know, gloomy in a, in a strange way. Uh, had to go in, Craig. It is, to me, it's one of the definitions of the power ballad. Like, it's just, it, it has all the lift. It has all the raising. Uh, it has the wild sentimentality, you know, and the kind of, mm. the unrequited love or the requited love or the difficulties thereof and uh, just an all-time performance and uh, I don't have a lot to say about it I think the song speaks for itself I'm happy to move on um, I agree the song um, speaks for itself so play my number one there Dave oh no <laughs> no did I <laughs> I did didn't I I I was standing you were there and they could never tear us apart We could live I did it. I fucking I fucking did it, Craig. I jinxed us. But if I hurt you <laughs> I'd make one from your tears. So good. Yeah, had to be my number one. Oh. I can't wait to hear your number one because I don't think there's much better than that. Well, you won't have to um, wait too long because I think we've... <laughs> we rarely cross over. This is... De- I was kind of like... When I thought... This doesn't appear on too many like power ballad playlists and I'm like, surely this is the one. This is the undisputable kind of like critical darling amazing one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best thing they ever did. I don't know too much in excess stuff. Do you? Like... Need you tonight, this man. This on kick. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's about it. I, <laughs> I always kind of saw them as... The poor man's Simply Red. Stone. Yeah, oh, really? I'm joking. I I'm just saying that to wind you up because I know how much you hate Simply Red. <laughs> I don't like um, Simply Red. No. Jesus Christ. But... I do like In Excess just for this song. I don't, I don't know much more, but this was their moment. I actually read some really kind of sad stuff about Michael Hutchins recently. Um, there was a documentary a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know how I stumbled across it. Did we, we didn't talk about it on the show, did we? I feel like we've was, definitely talked about this somewhere before somehow. I'm just not sure maybe, where. Yeah, it was, it was kind of about his like passing and how actually he had um, this documentary revealed that he'd had like a very serious um, brain injury a few years before. He got like punched like outside a, a chipper or like a pizza place in in Poland and uh he got like some severe lesion to his his brain um which totally altered his kind of personality and he kept it hidden because he's very worried about the rest of the band being like well you can't write you're of no use to us anymore you can't write songs and just totally went into himself and like couldn't think straight essentially and um yeah, I think he was going out with Helena Christensen at the time. She was the one person that kind of knew and how much it messed him up. He had like an MRI in Paris and he was, you know, severely damaged, didn't reveal it. And um, it was around that time when, do you remember Oasis? He like presented a Brit Award to Oasis in like 1996. 
and Noel had that like comment about like um has beens shouldn't be presenting awards to gonna bees or something like that, which is like really horrible. And the filmmaker was like, Yeah, that was a, an incredible humiliation for him and he was like his career was kind of passing him by and he had this injury to deal with and it kind of tipped him over the edge. Um on that night in particular so just a really sad kind of end and obviously even his passing seemed like you know you know in, in harsher times a bit of a punchline um but just a really compelling dude yeah sorry clearly like, interesting stuff to dive into there to dive in, but yeah, the punchline thing yeah. about his death has always bothered me i mean like yeah yeah for year even you know as a as a kid i was like is this funny like, yeah, well, yeah it's it's it really i mean like it's it's it is that weird passage of time thing where like uh, the na- his name became a reference to this kind of supposedly hilarious fucking act and exit, and you're just like, that's a person. <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck? Um, and who yeah, knows? Yeah. I'm sure back in the day, man, I'm sure I was guilty of it myself, but it was like, wait, hang on, let's just stop and think here. What are we doing? <laughs> like, this is not okay. <laughs> um, yeah, fucked up. Um, yeah, terrible. But um, I don't... Still got this song. It's incredible. Still got the song. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, like, based on everything you're saying there, I'm like... Ugh. I don't, I don't know if I want to watch that documentary. Like, it just sounds really fucking heartbreaking. I know, yeah. You know? I think the article was enough for me. I was just, like, welling up, Rina. Yeah. Well, look, Poor dude. I'll, yeah. yeah, and fucking rest in power. Take us into nice. Yeah, I was going to say rest in power, Michael Lessons, but, like, I will, I'll take us into... It's funny, because, like, uh, <laughs> what's, what's funny is my number one. Because at the very, very start of this, Craig set it up perfectly without realizing that he did. Um, Craig, went, you, you mentioned Always by Bon Jovi, which is not what I've chosen. But you said, no, oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you said that you listened to it so often this week that you were having this. Is it actually like really good or is it incredible? Is this somehow amazingly yeah. brilliant? This is the experience I had with this song because uh, this is an act I don't like. And it wasn't close to my top five until it was. And then I was like, you know what? I think it's my number one because I think ultimately deep down, this just has everything that a power ballad should have. And I think even the clip I've chosen, there's a moment in particular where it's like, yeah, look, this is a case closed. You know, judge sends you out of the courtroom. It's over. This is just absolutely perfect in its kind of messiness. And it could be, you used the word monstrosity earlier on, it could be one of those. <laughs> but I have come around to Craig. I think it might be a really great song. So oh, go on. let's go. Number one, power ballad, baby. Here we go. Get a grip, Dave. <laughs> Get a grip being the album from which a song was taken. Late period Aerosmith classic, right? <laughs> what have you done, man? It's Aerosmith. It's cr- extreme feel like a Radiohead selection. <laughs> it's crying. It's crying by Aerosmith, everybody. I couldn't I couldn't deny it. I couldn't hold it back. I I, I realized I would have been denying myself in a way if I had of walked away from this seemingly five and a half minute epic from Aerosmith. I can't believe we've had an Aerosmith song in Power Ballads and it wasn't Dream On. I know, and I thought about that, but I knew that you'd picked it for. And Dream, well, Dream On is this yes, outstanding yeah. song that you kind of can't believe is by them because I think 
it's the only song on record where he uses his quote-unquote real voice because it doesn't sound like fucking Steven Tyler. For years, I thought it was a different vocalist. And then yeah. here's the Steven Tyler that we're much more accustomed to. Um, and yeah, look, listen, a band that I've never I've never understood the appeal of, a band I, I, I remember mocking someone in my school when I was younger for being a fan of them because I was apparently an asshole. Good for me. You shoved them in a locker? No, I didn't do that, Craig. No, I was just like, what do you do and listen to them? You know, like rubbish. I don't know. Like, I'm sorry to that person, but you know. <laughs> we all did well, that, come on. But this, it was school. But it was school. Um, this song was everywhere on MTV back in the day. And I remember the video. Who's in the video, Craig? Alicia Silverstone. That's correct. And who's the male actor? And, oh, oh, very nineties, pretty boy. Uh, Christian Slater. You're close. It's Stephen Dorff. Um, oh, Stephen Dorff, yeah. of course. He's the boyfriend. So she plays this kind of tearaway teen who steals his car. It's kind of a vaguely confusing video, but um, ultimately she steals his car, goes on the run. Cops eventually confront her. She jumps off a bridge, but she's wearing some kind of bungee cord that would absolutely snap her spine in too. Uh, so I don't know how it's meant to be this kind of triumphant thing. Plus, they're just going to arrest her anyway, aren't they? But weird. A lot of manpower being devoted to this teenage car theft, but uh, it's about <laughs> love and loss and all that kind of stuff. And then you got the band here and there, Stephen Tyler, lit beautifully in some kind of windowed room. Um, but it's just massive. And the clip you heard there like has the pause where everything drops out and he hits that vocal note and then like the fucking the harmonica solo the giant drums it's unbelievable he is like a human harmonica already (laughs) like do you know what i mean the more i listen to it and i listened to it on repeat for a solid half an hour last night i think i was like is this one of the best songs ever written (laughs) it's just like no it's not but it's definitely one of the best power ballads ever written and have you can you come clean have you like come clean sounds like an airsmith album but it's actually a puddle of mud album but sorry go on say you know 2017 or something Mm -hmm. just a, a random tuesday afternoon would you be liable to throw this on or is this just a recent discovery of like oh actually i've now convinced myself this is good oh yeah if i ever this is a, you know, if i ever break up guilty pleasure. if i ever break up with someone this goes on straight away no um no really you've said it now it's on the record no no it doesn't <laughs> no I, I don't actually revisit this one i think it's one of the ones that's just kind of ingrained in the memory because i do remember playing it to death back in the day i'm sure i fucking taped the video on vhs back in the 90s it was a bit of a staple um i think it's unironically a great song and I think it is the definition of a power ballad. Who can argue with that vocal? Are you kidding me? It's, how does he do it? And also, to be fair, you'll see I Don't Want to Miss a Thing top these kind of lists. I think that song is popcorn yeah. trash. But this song, I ain't saying it ain't popcorn trash, but I think it's very <laughs> enjoyable popcorn trash. And fair play to them. They they, they justified, and they got a good Simpsons appearance along the way, you know? like Yeah, that's very true. Worst crimes have um, happened in the world. Well, listen, I hope you're happy with yourself. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've got a I've got a power bonus, right? Oh, perfect. And this is to this is a palate cleanser. This was to underscore how I, I'm not sure this is a power ballad. It's an attempt maybe at a power ballad, but it's maybe better than most of what I was listening to. Just to underscore that the genre is not great. You'll probably know this song. It's a it's a bunch of popsters. If you don't know us, this is going to be an absolute revelation. Just the drop alone, it has to be played.
Can you guess the act? What the fuck was that? And how do I hook it to my veins for the rest of my days? I know, it's a, um, it's a revelation. It, there's a bit of Gary Newman going on there, but it's if you're saying, is it Gary Newman? It's not Gary no- Newman. Big in the 80s. <laughs> Norwegian. To- this is totally is, out of character. Aha! It's Aha! God, what is this song? Manhattan Skyline. It's incredible. (laughs) There's a whole Limmy sketch around it where it's like these two metalheads and one of them turns around and he's wearing an Aha t-shirt and your man is just like, Limmy is just like outraged. Like He's like, hold on a second. He sticks (laughs) on this and it starts like mad ballady and then they kick in and... They lose their minds. Great, I'm going to right, ask you what I hope everyone's asking themselves right now. Why, didn't, why wasn't why, this why number one? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find anything online where pe- people were like backing this up as a power ballad. And then I thought, is this just a hard rock song coupled to a synth pop opening? It, it's a power ballad, yeah. I should have included it. Um, but it's now just a, a power bonus. Well, ugh, we've all learned a lot this week, I'd like to think. We have, yeah. Um, well, approach, approach the film Hot Tub Time Machine with caution. Uh, Crying by Aerosmith is in fact an excellent song. Craig is conflicted about the idea of the power ballad as a genre and as a life force. Um, Russia is bad and hopefully you're having a better week than, you know, I don't know, people who hate power ballads. I don't, I don't know how you can hate power ballads, man. This is controversial. This is I'm a list we got to revisit. We gotta... You know, it's one of those things of like, it's better. The, the world is a more interesting place with... Power ballads around and Vladimir Putin not around. That's true. That's and also, look up, do look up Roderick Strong, The End of Heartache, finishing move, because it's very hard to describe. <laughs> yeah, I will, actually. Okay. <laughs> and it's, we all will. And it's, Everyone it, listening to this it's, yeah, is st- now st- going to go Stop go. what you're doing. Inform your boss uh, on Slack that you, you have something very important to go check out on YouTube. Um, you need to see a half-naked man throw another man in the air and do some kind of weird knee drop thing. It's a very impressive athletic feat. But um, not as impressive, of course, as the incredible work, the dulcet tones, the laconic nature of the wonderful sonic architect David Tapley of Tandem Felix, who stepped in this week for the wonderful Adam Shanahan. Thank you so, so much, Tapley. We greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate you, listener, for listening to us and listening to our show. Uh, Tell people about it. Uh, you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify if you've stayed on that platform or elsewhere if you haven't. And patreon.com slash noencore is always there if you feel like throwing us the price of a Q magazine, which doesn't exist anymore. You can't buy Q magazine. Buy this magazine, this audio magazine that you get for free. Patreon.com slash noencore. I'm Dave Hanready. He's Craig Fitzpatrick, and I'm off to listen to AHA. See you next week.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.